finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are righteous, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think, meditate on these things. Those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me, do, and the God of peace shall be with you. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein you were all so careful, but you lacked the opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatever state I am therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer loss. I can do all things through Christ who strengtheneth me. Welcome to the Unchanging Word Bible Study. Our teacher is Dr. John G. Mitchell, a man who was faithful in teaching the Word of God for more than 60 years throughout the Northwest. The name of our study, The Unchanging Word, highlights the fact that God's Word has not changed. What God reveals in His written Word was true in the past, is still true today, and will be true tomorrow. The truth in God's Word was, is, and always will be true. God never changes. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Life begins at Calvary, there my Savior died. He took my place and by His grace came with me to abide. All I need for living is mine by just believing. Life begins at Calvary, life that never ends. The Unchanging Word Bible broadcast continues in Philippians chapter 4, verses 8 through 14. Dr. Mitchell speaks, first of all, of the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. And then likewise, in verse 9, he will also speak of the God of peace who will be with us. Next, the Apostle Paul speaks of being content in any and all circumstances he learned from experience, and he was able to live the Christian life at either extreme of the spectrum, both having an abundance and having need. Christ strengthens us to live our life in Christ, so, are you and I content with Christ himself? Well, here's Dr. Mitchell to share with us some of the Apostle Paul's practical exhortations in Philippians chapter 4, verses 8 through 14. But in the fourth chapter, dealing with some amazing, precious truths, practical, ex practical exhortations, which the Apostle Paul gives to the Philippian believers, and how apropos they are for us today. We've had constant joy, constant peace. And we're down to verse to verse 8. We have just been dealing in our last lesson, especially with the fact that the, the Lord is now present. The Lord is at hand. And we are to be anxious in nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, we are to let our requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. And when you and I are anxious for nothing, then we experience the peace of God. Worry and peace do not go together. 
If I worry, I have no peace. If I have peace, I've quit worrying. And our God is called the God of peace more than anything else. And here we have the peace of God, which passeth all understanding. As I've said in our last lesson, here is the experience of peace in our lives. And you know, if there's anything Christians should have is that experience of peace in the midst of trouble, in the midst of afflictions, whatever the circumstances may be, we ought to have peace. Jesus said, my peace I give unto you. Jesus said, in me you have peace in the world tribulation. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, will guard your mind and guard your heart through Christ Jesus. Then now he comes to verse, verse 8 and 9. And here again is the very presence of God with us and because he is at hand, and because the God of peace is with us, then we ought to uh, obey verse 8. Finally, brethren. This is another one of those finally brethren which we have with the Apostle Paul. We had it in chapter 3. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. Now he says, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are are righteous, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report. If there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think, meditate on these things. Those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me, do, and the God of peace shall be with you. And notice, in verse 8, whatever things are true, honest, righteous, pure, lovely, good report, is any virtue, any praise, think on these things. Meditate on these things. And again, I repeat that verse, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. You see, it's Christ being realized in every thought. Now, in chapter 2, we have the mind of Christ in humiliation and exaltation. Now here is the experiential side of it. As you think in your heart, that's what you experience. This was true of Paul, as you have in the next verse, the things which you've both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. Now, if I think on these things, if I think on these things, that will affect my life. If a man thinks, for example, on, on sexual things, like so many folk do today, what are you going to do? Sex. If I, if I think about stealing something, I'll eventually what? Steal. But Paul now says, as Christians those who've been joined to the Savior. Our very life is Christ. Hence, think on the things that are true, things that are honest, things that are righteous, things that are pure, things that are lovely, of good report. If there's any virtue, any praise, think on these things. And Paul says, that's exactly what controls my life. For he goes on to say, these things are those things which you have both learned and received and heard, and seen in me do. In other words, this has been true of me. I'll tell you what a need these days, especially among young people, 
to see in us older ones these very things in verse 8. I think this, these verses, for example, that I quote quite often from Galatians chapter 5, 22 and 23, if I claim to be, if I claim to be a child of God, if I claim to be spiritual at all, then there will be evidence in my life, the fruit of the Spirit, which is love. And remember, love is the badge of discipleship. Joy, his joy. Peace, his peace. Long-suffering. How can the world can I do that? He'll do it through you. The fruit of the Spirit. Goodness, meekness, self-control. This is the this is the manifestation of a Christian life. And for me to talk about Christ being my life and then see no evidence of it, I'm just, I'm just talking, that's all. But what I say should be proven by what I do. And what I do will reveal what I am. So whatever things are true and honest and righteous and pure and lovely, of good report, Meditate upon these things, and these things will be made evident then in your life as you think about them. And then Paul gives himself as an illustration of this very thing when he says the things you've learned and you've received and you've heard and you've seen in me do. You remember in chapter 3, in, verses seven, in verse 17, Brethren, be followers together of me, and walk them which walk so as you have us for an ensample. I thought we were to follow the Lord, not Paul. That's right. But Paul says, be followers together of me. I'm an example for you to follow. What's the example? You go back to verse, verse 9 and 10, verse 10 especially. I count everything but loss that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his sufferings. I, I want to lay hold of that for which Christ has laid hold of me. I'm going to forget the past, ignore the present, ignore the spectators, and reach out, as you have it here in verses 13 and 14. I'm going to forget the things that are behind. I'm going to reach forth to those things that are before I press toward the mark for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. As you could see in another passage, follow me as I have followed the Lord. So you have it here in verse 9. The things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. Notice that, and the God of peace shall be with you. And by the way, again, you come back to this question of peace. We had it in verse 7. The peace of God passeth all understanding. And I've already mentioned this over and over again. The thing that we Christians need to enjoy is his peace. And when you have his peace, then you have his joy. And you have his love. And the God of peace shall be with you. By the way, this, this little statement, the God of peace, I think Paul uses this more than any other title for our Savior. He talks about the God of hope. He talks about the God of all consolation. He talks about the God of all grace. And uh, here you have the God of peace, the God of peace, the God of peace. Now, John, and, uh, John doesn't do that. John talks about God being righteous, about God being holy about God being love. And the title that John uses for our Savior more than anything else, which is found in Revelation, where 28 times he calls him the Lamb of God. But he got a different background there. But with Paul, 
the God of peace shall be with you. Now, starting in verse 10 and reading down through verse 13, we have Christian experience manifested in, in confidence and in rest. Oh, constant rest. You follow it through, constant peace, constant joy. Now you've got constant rest and confidence. Verses 10 to 13. I want you to mark his tenderness as he goes along. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein you were all so careful, but you lacked the opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatever state I am, therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased, and I know how to abound everywhere, and in all things I am instructed, both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer loss. I can do all things through Christ who strengtheneth me. Now here you have constant rest and confidence. Christian experience. Mark again, I say, how the Lord rejoiced, Paul rejoiced in the Lord because of their care for him. You know, it's a, can I say this? It's, it's so wonderful to do things for people. It's a different feeling when somebody does something for you. And, and I know people who have a hard time receiving things. People who just love to give and have a hard time receiving. Now, it works both ways. Paul is in verse 10. I rejoice in the Lord greatly, that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein you were also careful, but you lacked opportunity. And I hear Paul is saying, you know, at, at last you're taking care of me. Now, Paul had done so much for them. You remember, if you read the 16th chapter of Acts, how this church started and the great suffering through which Paul went for the establishing of this church at Philippi. And these Philippians Christians really, really thought a great deal of Paul. And oftentimes, uh, they sent to him while he was in prison uh, things that he needed. And now he said, I, I, I've missed, I, I just missed your care. Uh, but now it was just because you lacked opportunity. I like the way Paul put it. He said, you know, your, uh, your care for me, it's, uh, I'm so glad that you've, you've, you've uh, started to care for me again. He didn't, he didn't growl and say, what's the matter with you folks? Well, why didn't you take care of me when I was in trouble? Why didn't you take care of me? Oh, no, 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 no. He just said, you know, I rejoice that at last your care for me hath flourished again. And I knew you wanted to do it but you, did, you just lacked the opportunity, that's all. I like, as I say, this man was such, he just in love with a Savior. And you know, when you're in love with Christ, you love his people, you know, with all their frailty. You know, when I find Christians who are always judging God's people, I wonder how much they love the Savior. Because the more you love the Savior, the more you care for his people. Now, I want you to mark verse 11, especially. Not that I speak in respect of want, I have learned in whatever state I am therewith to be contempt. You see, I know how to be abased. I know how to abound. Everywhere in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, to abound and to suffer need. You see, he had learned this. He learned that whatever circumstance he was in, he had to be content. 
And I'm so glad, you know, and I'll say this personally, I'm so glad Paul didn't get this by revelation. He learned this through experience. He learned to rejoice whether he was full or whether he was empty. Whether he had a great deal or whether he had nothing, he had learned from experience that God would take care of him. Whether he was full, if he was full, okay. If he was empty, okay. Paul had learned the secret of real life. Content whatever the circumstances. You know, that's a, that's a real place to come to, isn't it? To be content whatever the circumstances are, whether you're full or whether you're empty, whether you're rich or whether you're poor, whatever your circumstances are, the, the, the secret of real life is to be content, knowing that the Lord is with you and he can change your circumstances in a moment of time if he wants to. Again, I come back to it. The Lord is now present. You know, this man Socrates, may I mention about Socrates, the old Greek philosopher, do you know what he said? I think Socrates was one of the wisest men who ever lived. Listen to what he said. Quote, the wealthiest man is he who is content with the least. End of quotation. Let me repeat it. And I'm quoting Socrates. Why do you say Socrates wasn't a Christian? That's right. But I could tell you something about Socrates. Socrates refused to be a polytheist. He refused to worship the gods. Socrates said, if there's a god, there could only be one god. And if he's god, he must be holy and he must be righteous. And if he's righteous, how in the world can God forgive sin? I'm telling you, he got pretty close to the gospel, didn't he? If God is righteous, how can he forgive sinners? How can he? Of course, we now have the Bible. We have God's answer to that question. God sent his Son. Our Lord appeared once in the end of the age to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. Now, this is what Socrates said. The wealthiest man is he who is content with the least. Contentment, my friend, doesn't mean having a great deal of things. Some of the most miserable people in the world are wealthy. Some of the most miserable people in the world have uh, want for nothing as far as material things are concerned. They can have anything they want, their heart's desire, and still they're not content. They have no peace. I know what I'm talking about. I have met millionaires, and some of them are the most miserable people in the earth. On the other hand, I have met dear old homesteaders living in sod shacks, trying to eke out a living on 40 acres of ground, or 160 acres of ground. Their homestead would be 160 acres, and they'd have to plow up 40 acres. Uh, within three years, they had to have over 40 acres plowed up. You know, and happy, living on a few eggs and a few chickens, and maybe a hog, maybe a little bit of milk, and yet happy in the Lord, content with the Savior. I tell you, Christian friend, don't get your heart wrapped up with things which are passing with the using when you can be occupied with the Savior. That's what he's talking about. I have learned, I re not that I respect to want, 
I have learned in whatever state I am, therewith to be content, whether full or whether in empty. But what's the answer of that? What's the answer of that? I can do all things through Christ who strengtheneth me. Notwithstanding, you have well done. And now he commands them for their love for him that you did communicate with my affliction. Here I am in bonds in Rome and you had me on your heart and you wondered how I was getting along, if I was feeding right, etc. And you went all the journey from Philippi to Rome. You sent Epaphroditus with a gift to take care of me. I appreciate that, says Paul, but I want to tell you something else. My God, I can do all things through Christ who strengtheneth me. You see, friend, confidence and sufficiency is found in Christ. Having the mind of Christ, being in the will of Christ, he could do all things through Christ. So whatever the circumstances, God would take care of him. You know, you have it in John 15, 5, when Jesus said, Without me, you can do nothing. Paul could say in the Colossian church, chapter 1, verse 29, when he said, I strive according to the working of him who worketh in me mightily. So I'm not surprised that this man, Paul, writing from jail again, could say in, uh, in Timothy, I know whom I have believed, and I'm persuaded that he's able to guard the deposit until that day. Or you take in, in, in 1 Timothy chapter 1, when he takes up again this question of his suffering. In fact, he exhorts Timothy not to be afraid, which you have in 2 Timothy chapter 1. Then he speaks of it in 1 Timothy chapter 1. You remember verse 12 when he said, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who hath enabled me that he conned me faithful, putting me into the ministry who before was a blasphemer. But how did he do it? I thank the Lord Jesus Christ who en enabled me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me to do all things in Christ, is strength experienced because of our union with him. Strength to carry on. Strength to be content. Strength to walk before God, whatever the outward circumstances are. See, this gives confidence. This gives peace. This gives joy. So he says, I have learned whatever state I am, Therewith to be content, I can do all things through Christ who strengtheneth me. Ah, tell you, friend, don't tell me it can't be done. Don't say to me, Mr. Mitchell, in my circumstances, it couldn't be done. I can do all things through Christ who strengtheneth me. He's talking here. He's not talking about preaching. It could be included. He's talking about a Christian life. For all Christians... Whatever your circumstances, you're going to have constant joy, constant peace, and confidence. I can do all things through Christ who strengtheneth me. I want to leave you right there uh, with this one thought. The courtesy of Paul. Even though these Philippian Christians hadn't sent very much, apparently, and seemingly forgotten him, he doesn't upbraid them. He doesn't cry, criticize them. He doesn't murmur. He commends them for doing what they could 
recognizing that possibly they didn't have the opportunity to meet his need. So he didn't judge them according to circumstance. He knew that the Lord was going to take care of him. And I want to say, my friend, to you today, the Lord can take care of you, whatever your circumstance may be. And how glad I am that the Lord Jesus is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. Now may the Lord wonderfully bless you today. And again I say, enjoy his, his peace, his joy, his love, his life, his confidence. And the Lord bless you for his precious name's sake. Thank you for listening to the Unchanging Word Bible Study today. And so until next time, this is the Unchanging Word Bible Broadcast. Life begins at Calvary.